Hello, everybody. Live from another gloomy day in Koreatown. It is the Brothers Miller, and this is the Ozone. Unbelievable, L.A. What's going on here? A little May Gray, they're calling it. They keep making this stuff up. I've never heard of May Gray before this year. Really? May Gray's been around forever. I know. I just, I guess I've been asleep because, honestly, it's always hot. So I don't know where May Gray would come in. <laughs> How does May Gray come in when it's a drought? Well, we're, we always on in. Yeah, but that's because of the smog, pretty much. <laughs> so you get a- lies. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you didn't come here to hear me talk about the weather. You want to hear me bump my gums about sports, and I'm here for you. It's me, my brother Terry. We're ready to go. How you feeling out there? Light it up. You good? I'm great. Yeah? Yeah. Right on. Just right came on. from a boxing presser. Oh, you just came from a presser. Ted, talk to me. What happened at the presser? Ooh, Jermel Charlo is heated. He's really? Very, very upset at this uh this this opponent that he lost to. And he was very, very now, this, animated and aggressive. And this is this young man. This is the fight that we saw where we felt like he didn't necessarily lose the fight. He didn't lose the fight. Not, <laughs> they, they did do it. And it, and the other young man, well, I forgot the young man's last name, Tony, I do believe, Tony Anderson, maybe. Tony Touch. <laughs> He's a DJ with the beat nuts. Anyways. But uh, but uh, his father is very soft-spoken, just said that they're going to prove that, it, you know, basically it wasn't a fluke. And Jamel said that you needed to enjoy the belt while you can because he's coming to take his belt back. I heard that. He was upset. He's very upset. He was upset in, in that night. He was very upset a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact. He's looking for you. Come on in, Jamel. We got yeah, oh, God. My hip is bunk right now. I got no chance. Not and roll I, it over. I got a, not that I got a great chance with my hip is right, but I, I'll take my chances. I was very surprised. He's a very, very big guy. I, well, he's not big. Well, you know, his brother same. fights at the, the weight class up. He could easily fight in the middleweights. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Who else? Give me a, give me a list. Who was at this uh, Who was at this conference? Um, our guy, Ellie Sekback. Uh-oh. Get your sack back, but I, I don't. I mean, I don't mean hey, Leonard Ellaby. You know the Watson, oh. the Watson guys. Uh, Derek James. Are, do they are they on? Uh, I, why does Ellaby there? He's, uh, is Charlie on I think, Mayweather promotion? I think that it might be a cross promotion. Oh, you know, you know what it is? It's because they're boxing. on PBC and mm-hmm. Al Heyman slash Floyd Mayweather are in cahoots. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they work with each other or for each other. I don't know how that works, to be honest. Um, but wow. it was a small presser, and it's going to be on Fox. It's not, you know, pay-per-view or anything like that. Uh-huh. It's on a Sunday. Okay. Yeah, not. They're actually. doing a lot of that lately. They're getting there. I like it. Mix it up. Yeah. They, I mean, why not? And then on this, you're going to see actual fight. You're not going to see guys tippy-toeing around trying to put on a defensive clinic. You're going to see some guys that look like they were very upset with them, with each other because the other kid was actually talking trash. Well, that leads us to our situation now. Uh, which is the fight that took place this weekend, which by all accounts, we were really excited for Danny Jacobs for a, a world championship for three titles on the line against Canelo, Saul Canelo Alvarez. Cinnamon. Uh, and the the guy with the pretty much the biggest contract in all of professional sports, individual sports. And, uh, you know, the fight, I, I was, I liked the fight. I like the card. I have to say, oh, if I, I was, you liked, you were saying you like the actual fight that went no, on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. I like the card because for ten dollars a month, I'm not mad at that fight. Right now, had I paid eighty bucks for that card in that fight, I would have been upset. Well, it's nineteen ninety nine now a month. But I thought you could still get it for ten if no. you paid for a year. Well, yeah, advance. if you if you pay for a year, but there's still a lot of people who just go for it a month a month. They gotta they gotta convince people that it's worth it, right? And I don't know if they've done that yet. 
Right. They need they need that Triple G Canelo fight. It's, yeah, that, that's the fight that makes you say, oh, yeah. I would have paid a C note just for this one. Because if they could have made that Joshua Deontay Wilder happen, then it would have been a lot. You you can actually, you know, it's cost effective then. You're saying, hey, I would pay a buck and a quarter to watch them chunk I would em. definitely pay a buck and a quarter for the big boys. Yeah, them. and you're talking about one fight compared to doing it for, you know, a whole year for a buck. Right. You want to do it? <laughs> Free tall. <laughs> and, okay, so let's let's talk about the action. My man Jojo Diaz was on the undercard, and I like Joe. I like Joseph Diaz Jr. Uh, he's on a golden boy. He's a golden boy boxer. Mm-hmm. And at the presser, actually, out, just uh, he was talking completely crazy with Tevin Farmer, the Philadelphia fighter that I also like in that weight class. Mm-hmm. Now, forever, Tevin has been going after uh, 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 your man, Tank Davis. Right. And, you know, they've had altercations and bout shouting mouths shouting bouts in front of fights before but nothing has ever materialized i actually think these two are going to end up swinging it and getting busy joe had a great showing and he actually finally got rid of somebody in the mid rounds Mm -hmm. as opposed to normally he seems okay with uh with fighting and continuing like he's trying to get work this time he wanted to get the fight over with i do believe he tko'd the guy in the seventh or something like that it was a star-studded event we didn't make it out we had other plans but uh definitely watched on the zone you know Ellie's chomping at the bit. Let's get let's get Sack back in here and speak about the situation. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ellie Sack back from ES News, live reporting from a fresh from a presser, same reporting. presser that my brother Terry was. At. <laughs> <laughs> so first was, of all, Terry, it was great to see you rolling in with Derek James like a mega celebrity. Uh, thank you, thank with you, Charlo. <laughs> um, so seconds ago, the first conference ended, and actually, to Charlo's credit, he kept his cool. Because Harrison was drilling and going in hard. like You know, when you, you say your mama jokes, there's always like a limit how far to take it. <laughs> exactly. No limits today. He, he was going in and he was saying, you lost, accepted the ref, and you're weak, and just going on and on. And Charlo just smiled and took it. But you know, like I know him, that he didn't enjoy it. So I just asked him now. I said, hey, let's say you win by knockout. You still shake his hand? He goes, nope, never have me. Who will? So we're in for a real scrap. Yeah. When is that fight? June 23rd, Las Vegas. I might have to make it out to that yeah. fight. That yeah. sounds like it's some like, bad blood. I like that bad blood brewing. I mean, it was very oh, no, aggressive. It's, it's, very aggressive. It's very bad. <laughs> wow. Wow. A lot of people felt like Harrison actually won that fight. I don't Harrison know was the bald cat, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think Harrison won, but that's my, I don't know. I didn't feel like I, he I won, like but he won. at the same time, I didn't, uh, you know, yeah, wow. I was surprised. Put it like that. Either way, it goes is going to make for a great rematch. Now, what we're talking about was the fight that just the card that took place on the zone this weekend. I'm assuming you were out there. I didn't see you because I didn't go. Did you make it down to uh, Canelo Jacobs? I was in Vegas the entire week. And wow. So Are you okay? Going on. <laughs> I'm okay. But this, this week would have been an episode on some reality show because there was so much going on. on. The night before the fight, almost every boxing legend on the planet was at a WBC event, and I was there. I heard. I, I saw some photos. Yeah, Cotto, everyone. No, I said um, I saw some photos. I saw some photos of you and a whole <laughs> bunch of a whole bunch of legends. I saw you. I saw you with the current WBC champ, the one, the, the pretty champ that nobody believes is a boxer, Jelena Marjanovic. I saw pictures of Jesse Vargas. I saw pictures with Tommy Hitman yep. Hearns. I saw pictures with uh, Vitaly Klitschko came out. Like, it, it was a boy, yep. man. It was real, huh? It was real. Now, we all expected it. I expected one of those war battles, nose-to-nose. Like, it was a good fight. I had Canelo winning, but it wasn't the fight I expected. I thought it was going to be like a bloodbath, like, you know, back and forth. But Danny fought smart. He didn't, he didn't take too many risks. And uh, Canelo 
when Danny landed, I think, three or four major shots took him. Just took him like nothing. He felt him. Well, to me, here's, here's my breakdown of the fight. You, you caught us right at the right time because we were just about to go into it. To me, Danny fought a cautious fight, which was actually not the right fight. And he, you know, Canelo did a lot with his head movement and so on and so forth that Danny went along with by not changing his pattern. Instead, he tried to change into the southpaw stance and whatnot. And he didn't, I don't think that was the right move. He didn't throw enough. He didn't throw enough. Well, it was risk. And he wasn't aggressive early? I've spoken to other fighters, and one of the things that stuck out to me, and I spoke to about three other fighters, and one of the things that stuck out to me that is absolutely true is Danny didn't fight with the sense of urgency that you would need to fight if you're going to take the face of boxing's belts. And I spoke to some of the the other people in boxing, and they said that that, that was coming from his corner. That's terrible work by Andre Rozier, if that's the case. If it's true, that's terrible work. It wasn't any kind of urgency at all. As bad as and, well, and, and the only thing that I I feel like I wasted my time with was watching the fight with the sound on because Sergio Mora and my man Kenny Lay, uh, not Kenny Lay, Kenny, what's his last name, the the Sports Center announcer. I mean, Ellie, be happy that you were at the fight because this was pornographic. There was so much of just lust for Canelo in, in the booth. It was disgusting. That's what uh, D- Daniel Cormier was saying, and, and I just want to say I didn't watch the broadcast, so I can't really comment to specific, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. But he really did. I don't. You saw that the whole beef there. I saw it. I was with Danny on that. And, as and, far as and I've been on. hearing, I'll be honest with you, Brian Kenny. That's his name. Brian. Kenny. A lot of people have been complaining about the zone broadcast from the get go. The zone or something they need new. To fix they're, they're learning on the job. Yeah. Um. There's there's a lot of things like people told me they bought it and then they couldn't log on and they complained we can't log on to our account and they contact the zone and the zone tells them okay someone will get back to you in a couple of days. Ooh. That's not good enough for a day of a fight. No, no. <laughs> and also, I don't even know how that happened because it was free. If you just logged on to the zone, it was on. If anything, the zone messed up because it was just airing live for free. Wow. Yes. Yeah. When no, I logged, they didn't ask me to log in. They didn't ask me to log in. I just I clicked on the zone app and it was on. Now, every single time that I have to click on the zone, they asked me to put in my password. This time, I just okay. clicked on the zone and it was the fight was on for free. Maybe somebody logged That's in. That's great. I don't think a hacker just jumped in. But but back to the actual nuts and bolts of the fight. Yeah. Back to the nuts and bolts of the fight. You know, in all reality, we know good and well that if they, if they, the proverbial they, the corporation, the corporate structure of the world, signs a guy to a massive deal the way that Canelo has signed to a deal, you have to do something extraordinary to get, his, to get a win over him. Yeah. And everybody knows that. Danny spoke about it. I think you might even uh, ask Danny about it uh, prior to the fight. So Danny spoke on it, and then Danny went in there and acted like there was absolutely no urgency or need for him to press the issue. Um, that might happen. Look, you play baseball, big old, so you 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 perform like you're used to. You don't. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I yeah. hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. if that's how Danny, because Danny Fox triples you the same way. Sure Maybe did. he thought that was and good he, enough. And, he, and, he, and it's not good enough. That's this is. And the he should have learned from that mistake that he yeah. made in the past. And Danny's my guy. Danny yeah. is in my phone. I love Danny, and I've been riding with Danny on this fight for like two years. Everybody that listens to the podcast has heard me say that I felt like Danny Jacobs actually had a better uh, better chance physically to beat Canelo than even Gennady. But Danny, no, you told me that personally. He's yeah, before the fight. Yeah, last time. And I I don't know why he wouldn't really use the advantages that he had. For a risk assessment 
of potentially, you know, getting hurt. The problem that I have with this fight, and I actually think Golovkin is right here when they asked him afterwards. Obviously, he's doing, G is doing a bit of self-promotion when he said the fight was boring. Uh, but Like a sparring match. But he was right in the sense that yeah. neither guy took any risks. Right. We're not paying to watch guys fight, even if we're only paying $20 a month. We're not paying to watch guys fight to not have action. To not engage. To not engage. We're paying for big drama show. And that's what you get, get with it, Triple it, There's G. so much. No, it's true, but there's so much that goes into that. Well, first of all, look, the money they were making was insane. And this is where the psychology comes in. You're making so much money. Why take a risk? You're, I know it's what you're guaranteed saying. You money. I know what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. You're making $10 million. So $10 million is yep. more money than you've ever made, more money than you've ever had. And then one thing, it yep. just, human nature would make you say, I want to enjoy my $10 million. But it was like Hagler used Correct. to say, you know, you, you're sleeping in silk, silk sheets. And now. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to take a risk. This, yeah. to me, is what out. it's about. So. That's to me, is what it's about. And it's not just Danny. Canelo didn't do anything special, no. despite what they would lead you to believe. I didn't see Canelo do anything special. He had a couple uh, great uh, head movement, swim and bobs and whatnot that were nice. But I didn't see anything Correct. spectacular from Canelo. I actually saw a regression, to be honest. I thought the way that he fought Triple G the last fight was way more impressive than this fight against Danny Jacobs because he went back to one-punch Canelo. Mm-hmm. He would land one punch, one accurate punch, and then do nothing. One accurate punch and then do nothing. Well, you know what? And the fight depends on the action that his opponent puts out because he's a counterpuncher. Yes. So if Danny is not uh, being aggressive, then it's automatically going to hurt the fight. Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I heard two people say the same thing you just said. Uh, Ben, the coach of uh, Tyson Fury, Uh he said that, I'm sorry to be the spoiler, but the fight wasn't all that. And Joel Diaz, the coach, I talked to him after the fight, and he said... This fight wasn't all that. But most people, you know, if you look at people who are not experts or not into it, they may have enjoyed the fight because they saw something different from Canelo versus the come forward swinging. And, and he did show good head movement, but maybe he just figured out Danny's rhythm. So that's, that's, what it looked it like. was- that's what it looked like to me. And Danny never made an adjustment mm-hmm. on his rhythm. But then you saw later Correct. in the fight, he Danny, Danny imposed himself on him. Which and, is and, why, why and not do that from the word go? There was nothing that Canelo could do. Except for take punches. So then everybody could say, like Ellie just said, oh, well, he took his punch as well. Right. Yeah, but that's because he is a professional. He is a good fighter so that he's he's not going to show you when he's hurt unless he's, like, really, really hurt. Right. And and honestly, Danny had him in trouble. Danny hit him with 45 seconds to go. I think it was round seven. I think he went body, body, head. He went body, body, head, and Canelo didn't throw another punch for the round, and Danny let him breathe. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Maybe it was round six, six yeah, or seven. But, but here's the thing. There, there were 20,000 plus, 20,200 people in the arena, um, which is a big success because the I whole just, week I Vegas was kind of slow. I, this, is, this is what I was okay. saying. Now I, heard, now, I heard that they shrunk the press section for more floor seats. Is that true? I don't think so. No? Because, uh, okay, let me, let me rephrase that. They did have four rows for the press. Then they had floor seats, but then they put the press, like in the NBA, the press sits in the first block of the next aisle. Does that make sense? Yes. So they just moved the press into the cheaper seat. Because they're not yes. cheap. In yes. cheaper seats yes. than the yes. floor. So. As, opposed to, as opposed to like most of the fights, you guys are just on the floor. Basically, you got Correct. a great view of the, of the fight on the sleeve. Correct. And, and that's okay. Listen. 
I love boxing, so it doesn't matter if I'm so high that I can touch the ceiling or I'm on the floor. <laughs> I'll just have to in the building. No, um, no, the undercard it. was very impressive. That this is okay. So this is what I want to talk to you about. Okay, lay yeah. it on, lay, lay it, break down, break it down. Virgil Ortiz, 13, 12, and 12 knockouts, comes into the fight. He's not known to the masses yet, but this kid used to train with Earl Spence when he was a young kid. He's from Dallas, extremely talented. I've seen him spar Mikey Garcia. I've seen him spar Josito Lopez. I've seen him spar guys that are 154, 160, 168, and he does great. Wow. So, I like Mauricio that Herrera, Yeah, no, he's, and you know what? He plays the piano. He plays the guitar, self-taught. He told me he can't afford a piano teacher, so maybe after this he can afford one. But <laughs> he reads books. He's just a different kind of athlete. But boxer, most boxers don't read books. That's not their thing. You know? <laughs> so he's, he's a phenomenal athlete, and I'm saying he's supposed to headline maybe his next fight and maybe fight for the title at 140 because this was a 47. But if you saw, when he hit Mauricio Herrera and he knocked him out, he just froze like he was made out of ice. And the ref jumped in and caught him. We haven't seen that in years. Yeah. And he might have really helped him because he helped him from hitting his head that way. Yeah. That was a shot. Yeah, of course. And 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 he's, he's a force to be reckoned with. And he's only with 13 fights in. Um, what, what I thought was interesting, too, was... Um, Jojo Diaz? Jojo Diaz, he was supposed to win that fight, and he did win. And now he and Tevin Farmer are going nose to nose. And this that is what this is what we were talking fight. about. This is what we were talking mm-hmm. about right before right before uh, we called. Is that you know what? It, I it's funny because Tevin's been chasing Tank down for so long, and Tevin is a hungry fighter. He's a tough dude. The guy got shot. The guy is has a, a bunk eye, and he's just he's still he's relentless. And I have a lot of respect for Tevin. I like JoJo a lot as a fighter. And they got into it. Were you there when they got into it? I just left the room, so, but I caught up with them five minutes after once I saw the clips. Okay. And Tevin told me that he was doing an interview, and someone said JoJo Diaz was disrespecting you, or he's right here in the room. So Tevin's from Philly. He doesn't hold back, and he's good at marketing. Because a little clip of him yelling at JoJo will get many more views than him just you know, saying, oh, I want to fight this and that. Right. And he already did it once with Tank, similar. Remember and that, that video has happened. That. Yeah. So he went out to JoJo, and JoJo and his manager thought it was all fun and games. Like, they put a hand on him. Like, they thought it was a casual encounter. But Tevin's too savvy. He's media savvy. So take your hands off me and F this, F that. Let's get down. So he <laughs> may have just created a fight for himself. But he also knows that JoJo's a 126-pounder moving up to 130, right. where Tevin's been to 130 his whole career. Right. Right. It's going to be a good fight. Uh, and and uh, if they make that fight, but at least there'll be some more action, and it, that could potentially put things in line for finally for Farmer and Davis potentially. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, and look, we, we all want to see Davis and Farmer. I don't think that's going to happen. It just seems like boxing is five different, uh, you know, dragons. They're not. They're not on the same page. They're not on the same page. It's each one's going their own route. If Eddie Hearn in the zone, they'll go one way. It's like Crawford. I'm sure he would love to fight Spence. I'm sure he would love to fight Manny. He'd love to fight Thurman and Porter. But they're just, why would one side give in to the other? I wish they did, but they won't. It's a business. Right. So There's not any incentive, even though Terrence is going to have no, to fight and, bums. Right. Which is not going to help him. And, and win and, and get paid. And, uh, and this is what I thought. Which is going to help him. You know, normally... <laughs> Normally at a big fight in Vegas, and you guys have been to the big fights, ESPN set up like two studios in a media center, one for English, one for Spanish. But because ESPN have ESPN Plus, now they're not there to promote the zone. So they only had one print guy. 
versus like the massive armies that they usually sent. Oh, wow. I didn't and think they, about those kind of repercussions from the stables. Yes. So now Top Rings and ESPN, they have their own card, 10,000 people in um, Stockton on the same night of Canelo Jacobs. Neither of them are, are pay-per-view, but both of them are on apps. So, yes, Canelo's the bigger name, but still they got 10,000 asses in seats, which is impressive. Right. So it just made me think, like, wow, boxing is changing so much because if you don't know about the zone, you're not hearing about an ESPN, where normally if ESPN didn't have their own app, they would promote this fight and promote the zone. Right, yeah. Wow, uh, that's a good point. But, but I think the zone are trying. I think Eddie Hearn is really trying. But it's 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 uphill I, battle. It's I, hard. I haven't it's hard. met Eddie Hearn yet, but the more that I listen to Eddie very Hearn, nice the more guy, I like very him. charming. Yeah, but yeah. He, but he but he comes yeah. off as 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 transparent as you can expect for a boxing promoter. Right. You know what I mean? He he comes off like he's actually he doesn't script uh, answers or anything like that. He shoots from the hip. People like you grab him and he'll he'll spit. He'll spit. You know, even after this yeah, fight, he, he was like, like oh, what Bob can we Aaron. do? I mean, the the general, the yeah, he's like a young Bob Arum. He's like, yeah, you know, but. uh the general consensus is, is that the right guy got the decision, <laughs> you know, and then Danny's his guy. What's he supposed to say? That, that's, you know. Exactly. No, but, but what I like is many times I ask people, fighters, trainers, promoters, managers, a question, and they'll give me the PC answer. I don't get that from Eddie. They won't offend anyone. No. He wears emotion on his sleeve. And if it's something that's on his mind, he will say it, which I appreciate. And, yeah, and I like it, it is? because it's it, better. When someone- it comes off like he's a fan. And that's the thing I like. You know, right. he comes off like he's just a fan, but he also happens to have skin in the game. And so now and he also th- happens to have a billion, a billion dollars to play with, which is a lot of skin. <laughs> he's a he's 600 yeah. pound life. So with that, oh, well, go ahead, brother. Don't break it down. <laughs> OK, so so there's so much boxing coming up. It's <laughs> this is where I was going. When I've been covering boxing for 11 years. We have. OK, this weekend you have Jared Hurd. Fighting J Rock, interesting fight, but I'm favoring Jared Hurd. I always J-Rock favor Jared Hurd at 154. I love Jared Hurd at 154. To be honest, he's a monster. He's a monster. Then a week after that, you have Wilder. Brazil Wilder should knock him out ugly, and then it's going to be ugly because they have real beef, genuine beef. If he's um, not a week sloppy. after that, Joshua. If he's well, that's true. But even but Dominic Brazil gets dropped every fight. If if Wilder drops him, he's not getting he's up not like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree no. with that. And, and and then you have uh, in the first you have what's his name fighting uh, Joshua, Anthony Joshua. Don't Joshua forget Ruiz. Ma- oh, that's a that's a very interesting fight. Ruiz could shock the world in that one. I would put it like this: if he wins, I wouldn't be shocked. Ruiz is getting knocked out, uh, in my opinion. Even my, though my thing of it is, is that anytime you take a uh, impromptu fight like this, it's always dangerous. It's a banana peel. Yeah, for because- sure. Because you you haven't got a chance to get prepared like you should against a specific style or anything, and this yep. guy is getting a once in a lifetime opportunity, and you don't know how hungry he is to he's, take advantage and, of and that. And how he's speaking, he sounds very hungry. Yeah, very very hungry. And he's supposed to have a little thump, right? Yeah, he's a heavyweight. He he has very very fast hands. He has a lot of power. He's short. That's his big disadvantage. If, if Joshua could keep him up with the reach, it's it's going to be a long night for Andy Ruiz. <laughs> or or a short <laughs> night for Andy Ruiz. <laughs> Or, yeah, or a short night. And and the thing is, he doesn't look in shape. Like, the belly's hanging over the trunks. And he's always been like that. He's like a little skinny guy hiding inside a big guy. Right. But he has nothing to lose. What does he have to lose over here? This is no, I, I, listen, I agree. In his lap. Now, let's talk about the fight that you skipped um, over on the date that had to end, unfortunately, which is Usyk's debut at heavyweight versus Takam. Correct. I hate that correct. that happened. Uh, Usyk has a bicep 
Correct. He has a bicep injury. This is one of the reasons that corporate America doesn't get involved in the boxing business because of this. Not Usyk's fault. I'm just saying. But if corporate America sponsored a fight, which is Usyk against Joshua, right? And they put the posters and they buy the plastic cups, and then the fight falls through, they can't replace the main event. If, There's if no way. Yeah. Demar, Demar DeRozan is injured. The fight, the, yeah, the, the game is still happening. Yeah, exactly. Correct. But here it's based on individuals. So it sucks when it happens because now it takes away a lot from, we all wanted to see how Usyk does in a heavyweight. Right. Um, and now and now they're going fast forward. Now, to, to side note, they're going fast forward and talking straight away about Usyk versus Anthony Joshua. Are they? Yeah. Anthony Joshua said, I have no problems fighting Usyk. <laughs> he came out and said that. And of course he doesn't because yeah, at, at heavyweight. Of course he doesn't. He needs to, you know, Usyk needs to get his, get his, uh, he, his palate wet. Yeah, he got to get it. He got to dip his toe, brother. <laughs> he's got He's got tremendous skill. He just got to get together. And Takam was a great you, first fight for him. I don't, I'm going to surprise you guys. Do you guys know who beat Usyk in the amateurs? Sean Porter. <laughs> that is true. Sean is. Porter, Sean that is correct. Yeah, you won. But but here's the thing. Coming off an injury is never good to face the best in your division. No, no, no. Not even. Look, when, when Thurman fought Josito Lopez, he came off a two-year layoff coming off a hand injury. And he looked terrible. <laughs> I don't know that. And he looked terrible, but he pulled it off. He got it done. So, yeah, yeah. Usyk, if... But if Usyk comes to fight Joshua, he has to be a thousand percent, and it's a new division, and the power mm. of Joshua may not be like the cruiserweights. No, it's, it's not. But then no, again, it's not. Joshua to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but Joshua to me doesn't look like the same Joshua of two years ago. He looks like he slowed down a lot. Is it the money? Is it the competition? You know what it is? It's, I don't think he slowed down a lot. I think that what's happened is is kind of what when we had uh, the bronze bomber on, when we had Deontay Wilder on, we talked to him about this. Anthony Joshua never gets to fight. Yeah, you have to do whatever it is that you're great at to stay great at it. And Anthony Joshua, the last time we saw him fight was what uh, October, something like that. Yeah, and and then yeah. and and now and he has a fight in October. Then he's supposed to have a fight in April. That doesn't materialize, so he makes it in June. Then the guy has find out he doesn't have any blood plasma in his blood; it's all juice. And so now he's finally going to fight again. You can't be great fighting once a year. It doesn't work. And if anybody's going to get you, it should be at this time. That's exactly it. Which is why I actually am not mad at Tyson Fury taking whatever fight it is that he's taking. To tune uh, up. Yeah, because he's still, for one, he's still getting his body back acclimated to losing all the weight and so on and so forth. He needs frequency. Well, I have a problem, too, because what they do is that they always think that the champions should fight championship caliber, you know, you shouldn't have to fight the number one and two every time you fight. You never give the other guys opportunity. They're in the lower ranks. You should give everybody an opportunity, not just the ones that are up on the, you know, up on the, in the ranking. Well, I agree with that if it comes to a situation where we're talking about gap fights, where we're talking about fights maybe that you take every three months uh -huh. or something like that. But if we're talking about the marquee fight selling out Wembley Stadium, yeah. you know what? I want to see you fight the top guys. Well, and then when you talk about Usyk, though, Usyk is jumping up in front of all of the other guys who have been waiting in line to fight him. Well, no, when did that, this is not. It's not like the fight is set in stone. Usyk's bicep is messed up. We don't even know no, when it's going to happen. Comes back though, right? Right, right. But 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 but, but that's boxing because I, I've said that many times, Terry. What you just brought up, where how does a fighter who was the man at thirty become the mandatory at thirty-five when he hasn't fought in that division once? But it yeah. happens a lot. Yeah, just and happened with Loma and Jorge Linares. Yeah. Loma, Linares, even when Crawford moved up from 140, he became the number one guy at 47. He's a great fighter. He's pound for pound, but it, it happens. So 
does it happen with Usyk as well? Probably just because he was the man at cruiserweight, and he has all the belts and all the championships. I think. Um, I think. But, but it's interesting, and and I'm sorry. No, I said I think you're going to see a situation like Earl Errol's fighting um, Mikey Garcia in the situation with Anthony fighting Usyk. Because you're talking about a guy that's probably a lot bigger. Yeah, but you're talking. We're talking way down the road. If you have a bicep injury, it takes a while for your bicep to heal, and we'll see what happens with Anthony Joshua. I'm just the reason I brought it up is because the 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 writers posed a question to Anthony Joshua, to which he responded, mm-hmm. "No problem." So I don't I don't think it you know it merits a long conversation about whether or not Usyk should fight Anthony Joshua. There's plenty of guys who are in line that do have a name that should fight Anthony Joshua, but the stables of boxing once again are getting in you know. In, involved in it. It's causing a nightmare. Now, one thing I want to talk to you about, Ellie, is what do you think about our guy, Rugaru? Uh, he's waiting for the winner of this fight uh, later this month. You skipped over that fight for that series, for that, that 140 series. I actually think Rugaru is a very, very formidable uh, opponent to anybody that wants to fight anywhere near 140. I would say this. Rigger's program is probably the biggest secret in boxing. This is how I, I feel. Doesn't all talented he is, and and not only that, but he does so much in the community. He gets yeah, out. He does no doubt. He's stuck in New Orleans, but we don't we don't have cameras there. And and I wish they had cameras on him, and he would share the videos with the world. But we see little snippets. He's extremely talented. Great personality. Is not afraid of anyone anywhere. But again, he has to win the title, win this tournament, which I think he does. But it's not easy. Easy. His next fight. A uh, very tough one. Uh, I think it's Josh Kelly, correct? Uh, well, he's got to win. That's the mm-hmm. thing. We got to. We have to see. Uh, I think his fight is May 18th. Yeah, May, I think it's two more weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he won the semifinal, so he's waiting on the winner of that fight uh, in the semifinal. I think. Uh, what's that? Who's? Yeah, I, I'm sure he's gonna fight Kelly. Very, very tough fight. Tall, hits hard. I think Southpaw. But he can win. And look, he's not young. He looks young. He looks like early 20s, but he's more like late 20s, maybe early 30s. He's ready. He's been ready. So. He wins the title, then he gets a Jose Ramirez, then he gets like the monsters of 140, and he gets the opportunity. In life, you just want the opportunity. Just give me the give me the shot, put me in the game. Right. But I I really like him as a person too because not some fighters look. You can win a title, or do good in boxing, but stay anonymous your whole life because you don't make it. You don't put your footprint down. He's one of the people that's making a footprint, that's making himself slowly, slowly uh, noticeable, and. And I like when fighters give back and go talk to kids and, and give out turkeys and do all stuff. Like in, in Houston, when they had the the floods, he was helping rescue people. Stuff that nobody knows about, you know? No, nah, I mean, he's a solid dude, man. And then, you know what? He's down with that whole, that same group. He's down with uh, the Charlos and Earl and all mm-hmm. those guys. They're all friends. And it has a lot to do with Houston because when Hurricane Katrina hit, I do believe he had to bounce and uh, raise up out of New Orleans. And he went and set up shop in Houston. That's how they all know each other. Correct. That is very true. And, and look, Derek James is a great trainer. Uh, I was standing, Lennox Lewis came up to him this week and told him, you're the best trainer in boxing. So uh, I really respect Derek James. I think he's... he's Josh he's, Taylor, he's, not Josh Kelly. Damage. Josh Taylor was bothering me. Josh, yeah, Taylor, Josh Taylor, not Josh sorry, Kelly. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. You know, you know who he looks like? You guys ever seen the movie Me, Myself, and Irene? Yeah. <laughs> He looks just like Jim Carrey when he was evil Jim Carrey. <laughs> I told him that. He was laughing. I forgot the name of the character, but that's how he looks. But he could fight. The kid's legit. Because many times fighters in the U.K., it's like a fighter that comes from Iowa or a small state here in the U.S. where their competition wasn't very good, so they were dominating. So if you dominate in the U.K., it doesn't mean you always dominate worldwide. 
But yes. this kid could actually, he's legit as they come. He's been working hard in years. He knocks people out. He's tall. He's rangy. Yep. And they're talking now about Canelo fighting another great British champion, to be honest, because they're talking about him going to the real belt holder at 168. And I don't think he wants to fight Callum Smith, to be honest. That kid that kid can fight. I don't think. No, that kid can't fight. And, and that's a that's a tough test. That's a tough test. The guy's 6'3". Um, he and he's not 6'3", Rocky Fielding, 6'3". Yeah, right. He's 6'3", and he's comfortable with himself. And mm-hmm. he even, I read something he said today. He said, listen, I rate Canelo as high as anybody does. He goes, I just think he's a middleweight. He goes, I, I don't, he goes, I would love that. He goes, I'll take the fight today. He said, but I don't think that, uh, I don't. I don't think that that's really... I rate him. He said, I, I, I rate uh, Lomachenko, too. He said, but I don't think Lomachenko can go fight at 47. You know. No, he can't. He can't even fight at 40. No, <laughs> no, which isn't bad. Right. It's just that, you know, you're you're the weight that you are. He's dominant at 130. We can say that. And he put on a great show yeah, at 135. Yeah, he put on a show at 135. Exactly. I would take him over Robert Easter. How about uh, that? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no. Lo, Lo, Loma's extremely talented. Um, he's up there, in, like they say, long in the tooth. So we'll see how much he has left in the tank. But he's incredible. Uh, we we only got to see him towards the tail end of his career because you know the the what is it, two Olympic gold medals or three? I think it was two, but it, I hear what you're saying. I, really, you've got to start getting busy. If you pick up two Olympic medals, how many times are you gonna stay in the Olympics? <laughs> it's, it's go time. We got to get paid. <laughs> what are we doing? And, <laughs> and, and 12, 12 out of his thirteen pro fights, or thirteen out of fourteen pro fights were championship fights, which were not easy. Hmm. So he makes it look easy. You remember he made four people quit in a row, including Rigondeaux. And now Rigondeaux's back. He's fighting on the Charlotte Harrison card. Yeah, but uh, Loma's something special. I mm-hmm. Rigondeaux. I was very disappointed in Rigondeaux, and also he was one twenty-two, one max. You know, and he showed up fighting at one thirty, and it wasn't right. That's true. Plus, he didn't have the good camp. He had just wanted the paycheck. There was seemed a lot like that went wrong. Seemed, but, I was yeah. very disappointed. And honestly, I'm not going to watch another fight of his yeah. because of that. Because of the way that that was. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, he's. He's never been the most exciting. He was just very decorated. Right. I remember he had a fight once where he didn't throw like five punches the whole fight, and he still won. Wow. And people were mad at him. Yeah, he had yeah. that tremendous, and he was another Olympic champ, but, you know, obviously he was in a special situation when it came to Cuba. All right, Secvac, what else do you got for us? You got anything else to add news and notes? Okay, we're going to move on. You, I, I, I'll tell you really quick. I talked to Errol Spence this week. I talked to Sean Porter. Errol Spence and everybody around him, Sparring partners, the Charlo today, he will knock out Porter. That's what they're telling me. Sean Porter says, I hope he tries. I'm ready. I'm down. So that's going to be a very interesting fight. I haven't seen uh, Sean get knocked out, so I'm very interested to see it if that's that's what they think is going down. That's what they're predicting. Then you have Manny Pacquiao is going to fight Keith Thurman. And Manny looked great his last fight. Keith Thurman won his last fight, but he didn't look great. I'm right. taking Pacquiao. Yeah, I'm taking Pacquiao on that fight, but now they're, they're saying that you know, I don't think it's. I don't know if the deal is done because they're saying, man, he's back to being a politician again. So he has to do his. You know, he's got to, well, do, he, got to do his thing. He's running for office. He's running for his second second term in the Senate. He wants to be president. But man, he's always done both. Maybe it's part of negotiations. But I don't see when. When did his job in politics ever interfere with the boxing? True. He's always done it. Only time I've ever seen it interfere um, potentially is uh, when he fought Jeff Horn. Because he went down there and he looked like yeah, he didn't have the eye of the tiger, meaning he didn't want to. He looked to the ref to stop the fight instead of him stopping the fight. Yeah, and then they ended up robbing him of his belt because of that. That's the only time yeah, that I felt like it was. Gentleman. I agree. Listen, I'm team. I'm team pack all day long. I love the Pac Man, but I, you know, and and also Father Time is undefeated. So 
we'll see what happens there. Sekback, I appreciate you calling in. Got to get together with you face-to-face sometime. And, uh, yeah, maybe in New York. They got to they get a good New York fight since it's thawed out out there. I'm ready to ride out. <laughs> ready to go east. All right, everybody, make sure you check out the Ozone. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, Ellie. A reporting. Thank you so much. A reporting. <laughs> All right, Bye, yeah. right See go. you later, man. Late. Yeah, somewhat disappointing fight this weekend in the sense that you almost you want guys to fight the way you want them to fight, but you know at the end of the day, it's everybody's own choice. How they I do think it. I think that one of the problems was that we had conversations with Danny before, and he sort of sold us that you know he was. I gonna, agree. You know he's going to do. He's going to impose himself yeah, on maybe. the smaller man, and instead he seemed as though he he decided that the smaller man could have uh, a lot of respect from him, right? And and I don't feel like it was necessary, but. Moving on, let's get to the NBA because we're now into the deep into the playoffs and those playoffs are now getting interesting. Even though I will say guys are looking very tired and that tiredness and fatigue can have a lot to do with the fact that the first round is too damn long besides the season being long already. Um, news and notes on that real quick. I was just reading. I was surprised to hear this, but we'd spoken to some surgeons in the past who said that you'd be amazed at how many off-season surgeries that athletes have that never get reported. They're reporting a couple surgeries from the Oklahoma City Thunder. They said that uh, Paul George and Russell, Russell Westbrook had surgery on Tuesday in Los Angeles. George had a partially torn tendon in his right shoulder uh, uh, repaired. And he's also going to have surgery on a small labrum tear in his left shoulder. So his shoulders are giving him problems. And uh, Danger Russell Restbrook had uh, a torn ligament in his left finger. And he had an arthroscopic procedure on his right knee. Man, professional sports are tough on your body, Jack. And uh, you really got to take care of yourself. Even when you're taking care of yourself, you know, you get served up. Right. It's high maintenance. It's high maintenance. But talking about the game, let's talk about where I was wrong. And it looks like I was completely wrong about the Boston Celtics. The the Milwaukee Bucks seemed to rally around Giannis uh, uh, Antetokounmpo, which is what I was always concerned with because him himself has an air of dominance that is undeniable. But you need help in this league. And in the first two games, it didn't seem like the team was giving him much help. I think they gave him help in the second game. They gave him help in the second game. Yeah, but it's it's grown exponentially since then. Well, that's the confidence because none of them had been there before. So now mm-hmm. they're in a situation where they're feeling comfortable. And you can see that they were the lights might have been a little too bright in the first game. But after that said, that first game, it was go time. I mean, they they did have the best record. So it's not like and this the best be defense. much of a surprise. Yeah, and the second highest three-point, I do believe, in the league. And, you know, you watch him. He breaks down the defense. He, he, he penetrates. He's always going to the cup or to the rack or whatever you want to call it. The defense collapses on him, and he kicks the ball out. And if you don't collapse on him, he can do a circus, circus 360 dunk. So it's in the game, in the game, in the game, something, something outrageous in the game. Well, they're looking like they're cruising along. But where I was right was the other series in the East, because the uber talented Philadelphia 76ers are finding a way to lose as is as, as predicted and as expected. What in the hell is going on? Why would Joel Embiid ever have less than 10 points in a basketball game? And I don't care if we're playing at the park or if we're playing yeah. in, in the It's supposed to be some kind of illness or something, and I, on, and I have a hard time believing it, but that's what, they're, that's what they're putting it on. And they're talking about, you know, um, he's supposed to be suspect for the next game because of an, Ill, of an illness. I don't know what he has, but whatever it is, a seven-footer should always have more than 10 points, even if you're on the bench. <laughs> 
They should just throw you ten. They should just throw you ten. Give him a dime. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm really disappointed. Now, Kawhi Leonard is playing great. Uh, uh, Max Kellerman has caught the the ire of a lot of fans by saying that Kawhi Leonard is more clutch than Kobe Bryant. Well, the numbers actually say that he is. That's you know, I think I sent you the yeah, you sent me the link, and the numbers actually say that Kawhi is more clutch. But then we always get caught up in the moment. Yep, because the errors are different, the game of play, the style of play is different, different rules and everything else. Now Kawhi was sort of closer to Kobe, you know, as far as in that era. But I mean, it it all matters what kind of game you want. Kobe is a a quantity type shooter or whatever and quiet he's also he's also a ball dominant guy he's a kobe bryant is going to there is no doubt who's taking the last shot Right. Well, Kawhi is the same. Good, good basketball play or not, Kobe Bryant's <laughs> taking the last shot. Yeah, but Kawhi is sort of the same way, except he's more of the Clark Kent instead of the Superman. Yeah, you know that's a saying? great, great analogy. And so he's willing to go out there and do that and be great that without metaphor. without the the flash and dash and everything. So he takes his shots, but he does them without the fanfare a lot of times. And he hasn't been in the major market like like right. Kobe. And he has performed. And though. he has performed. He has performed. So, There's only know, one time that I can remember Kawhi not performing at the highest level, and that was only, I would say, because he was young. Mm-hmm. If you remember that game where Ray Allen hit the big three mm-hmm. when they were with Miami, when, mm-hmm. they, when they played Miami in game six and they should have won that game, Kawhi had a great game, but he ended up missing two free throws late in that game, right before Ray Allen hit those, right. that, that three. And I want to say that's the only time that I can actually remember him not being up to code. Yeah, and you know, you can't, I mean, there's nothing wrong. You can take either one of them, and you're not going to lose with it. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. Me, myself, I would take Kawhi. Because I don't want my guy to be a ball hog like that. I want my guy to get everybody involved, and you can win the right way. But Kawhi also hasn't been surrounded, sort of surrounded with the talent that that Kobe has. Not quite. No, no. stop, stop it. Don't say that. Because when Kawhi Leonard first came up, he still had a prime Tim Duncan. Yeah, but he wasn't the man. And he, and he I'm talking about him. when he was the man. He hasn't been the man in with prime rib. Well, with surf and turf. I need some right now. Vegas, Vegas is calling me. Uh, well, but you know, there's the other side of that as well. I hear what you're saying, but I think that to Kobe's defense, that Kobe Bryant, to a certain degree, made himself the man. Those Laker teams were stacked with talent. Yes, I mean stacked. I mean stacked. But we also, I think, this soup conversation to soup to nuts. This conversation lends itself to being a prisoner of the moment because. The image of Kobe everybody has is a 60-point farewell where he wasn't moving right. If you go back and you look at highlights, you're hard-pressed to choose somebody over Kobe Bryant athletically. And I get what what Kawhi is doing, and I'm a fan of Kawhi Leonard. I personally really do like my superstar to be dominant. I like my superstar to be— Kawhi is dominant. No, I, I vocally dominant. Physically dominant. I like, you know what I mean? I like the whole nine. Run your, your big center out of the league dom- dominant? I don't need that. <laughs> and he didn't run the big center out the league. He, he out the, out the, out he the city. Out the city. But he well, didn't run the him out the same thing, then. You ran him out the league. <laughs> yeah, you can't run the diesel out the league. Yeah. Only the torn Achilles uh, ran diesel out uh, the league. Are you sure? Positive. <laughs> Barbecue chicken. <laughs> you want to talk about who I'm going to choose between Kawhi and Kobe Bryant? I'm choosing Shaq. <laughs> so it's over. Uh, but but it looks like they're going to move on. And you know what? Your man Kyle Lowry is finally starting to play. It seems like he started to listen to everybody saying that he was not getting it done. And he showed up the last few games. Um, I'm sure Joel Embiid doesn't appreciate his man Drake mocking him and his, his dunks and his, you know, his post-dunk celebrations. Um, I can't believe that Drake would mock anybody athletically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying what's happening, bro. Then on top of that, 
Uh, we're moving to the next series where we got the Denver Nuggets are on the verge of closing out the Portland Trailblazers. It seems as though that four-overtime game took more out of the Blazers than it did out of the Nuggets. Right. And I think that's because they're more reliant on one one to two guys. Yeah. And it's the, it comes down to depth. It comes down to depth. I mean, and Denver has depth. And, they and Jamal Murray's a little bit younger. Yeah. You know, and his bounce back. You could see in the next game, Jamal Murray wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. But now in the game that was last night, Jamal Murray's like, what, what for an OT game? I'm a young man. I'm back. I think that they all can come back from it. I think one of the problems is that when you what you're talking about is what you have to rely on Damian Lillard, who's a small guy. It's more imposing on him than it would be for the big guy who can actually go down in the post. And you can worst be, case scenario, can I can fit. try to bully yeah, back to the can, back. I can get as close to the basket as possible. That's why it's sort of unacceptable for Joel Embiid to have ten points because, but yes. that's also due to the style of play. This is the new style, yeah, the new be, school. Because if we go and stay in in the post or attacking the basket, then it's a completely different game. You're talking about all these other guys are least or less effective. Look at Al Horford. One of the reasons why Giannis is way more effective is because Al Horford is out there shooting threes. And Al Horford is shooting out. If he's out there shooting threes, that means most of the time he's going to be on the perimeter instead of inside the paint where you need the big man. You need the big man to be inside the paint or around the basket to defend. But he's not there because everybody's playing. Well, that's not that's on a different side of the ball. Yeah, but that's on a different side of the ball. But still, they all everybody's playing everybody for the perimeter because the three point game is taking over. It's taking so, over. So and it's na- not as effective. Yeah. So now everybody, when somebody is attacking the basket, which they used to do back in the day, I know it sounds like you're going back to the good old days, but, but it's effective. <laughs> which is what Giannis does. Yeah, which is what Giannis does. Which is does. why he can get open threes because everybody's so scared of that first step, exactly. which he only needs two to get to the rim. Exactly. If that. He might only need one in certain scenarios. And I and and so, you know, I anticipate Portland gets one more. I actually think Portland's going to get one more. You think so? I think it would be dangerous for Denver if they get one more. I think I they, think it is too. But I think that but I think that Denver wins. Denver was actually one of the best teams in basketball the whole season. Yeah. And I think they're going to win this series. They might close them out. Um, they got a dominant big man once again. Uh, there you go, and which leads us to the series that's the jumper fest, uh, which is the Warriors versus the Rockets. Can somebody put the Houston Rockets out of their misery? I man, I, I thought Kevin Durant was going to do it because he had a he had a good look at that shot at the top uh-huh. of the key to tie the game to send it to OT. Yeah. I just feel like you just need to put pressure on the Rockets in the same way that I feel like if you put pressure on the Warriors, they're apt to fold. I feel like that way, but exponentially more for the Rockets. I don't think the Warriors are going to fold, especially now. They, they, no, 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 no. I don't mean I don't mean against the Rockets. I don't, I mean, I don't I, see against anybody. The only way that you can make to me make the Warriors fold is if you if you if Boogie is not playing, and then you do something like what Giannis does, which is constantly attack the basket. Yeah, get everybody in foul but trouble. You see, this <laughs> is my <laughs> point. The point is, is that they're going to give you an opportunity to beat them because they're cute with the basketball and because they shoot regardless of the scenario they're going to keep shooting threes yeah and that actually gives you a chance to win now you need to but you need to play defense play, but that's this i agree that's and, it's, play, and it's been everybody super successful because everybody's bought into it and, and that's it and in the gameplay you're saying that i'm going to out three them i'm going to show them i'm going out three and that's what the warrior that's, that's, that's what they want houston you to do is, that's what houston's trying to do i i got the warriors i wouldn't be surprised if the warriors take the next two just cakewalk them. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, even though now the Rockets are starting to believe, mm-hmm. it's very possible that Chris Paul's hammy is starting to tighten up. It's just about that time. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. It's about that time, and um, we'll see what happens tonight. I'm very interested to see what happens tonight, but I got the Warriors tonight. And, uh, you know, Harden is doing what Harden does. Now, I need Denver more could, If Denver makes it, Denver could beat them. 
Denver beats. I, I think Denver with can that big beat man. either one of them. But the Rockets could beat the Warriors, in my opinion, if they use the big man that they have. They're more effective when they use Capella and Nene. Yeah, but Nene is only can only take uh, minimal minutes, and and Capella is a, a light big man. You know what I'm saying? He's fast and dash, and you're not going to beat the the the. I have a hard time believing that the Rockets can beat the Warriors at being the Warriors. I have a hard time believing it too, and one of those reasons is because they have Mike D'Antoni as a coach. <laughs> um, another thing I want to ask you is uh, a throwback: Is Paul Pierce better than Dwayne Wade? <laughs> <laughs> We never really spoke about how that lit Why up would you speak internet. about that? You know better than that. It's a trip, too, because Paul Pierce was a monster. He was not a monster. He was good. Dwayne Wade was a monster. Dwayne Wade's one of the best ever. Yes. Paul Pierce is one of the best ever. No, okay. Paul Pierce is not one of the best ever. I just think you don't like the fact that he was never ripped up. Dwayne Wade looks the part. <laughs> yeah. And Paul not Pierce did not look the part. Yeah, but not only that, we're talking about rings and, and domination. What are you talking about? We talking, look, who, look who Dwayne Wade played with. That's not Dwayne Wade's fault. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying Your that boy it is. played with Kev, with um Kev. AD and yeah. and Ray Allen. Yeah. yeah, come on, man. Against so, Shaq and Kobe, though. Yeah, yeah, but not against Shaq and Kobe. I'm lying. Against yeah. Kobe and and Paul Gasol. And guess who ran through him? And, and LeBron James by himself. LeBron James Le- ran through them. Literally, LeBron had enough. <laughs> he had enough. He had enough. And he, then LeBron went down there and played and decided that he needed two rings down there. Yeah, he, he got two down there. He got one down. I think there. he got two. But the thing he lost it, the first one, then he got two, right? One but yeah, but the thing of it, it's it's not a knock on Paul Pierce. He's just not as good as Dwayne Wade, and they both played different positions. And you no, know, they didn't. They're, they're both shooting guards. <laughs> I thought Paul was a, a three. <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, it's right. real. Well, well, if you ask me, if I had to pick between Paul Pierce, I tell you, I put it like this: I would take Dwayne Wade if they if we had a draft right now, the fantasy draft. I'd say right. prime, prime Wade. Prime. And they're both standing next to each other. I'm like, now I say this: Dwayne Wade played better defense. Yeah, that's what I will say. There you go. But Paul Pierce and no, this isn't. I'm not saying he's more clutch than Dwayne Wade, but Paul Pierce was clutch. Yeah, yeah. He was, he's a big time ball player. Yeah, and I always I like his jumper. That. I mean, I, to the rack too. But he gave you nice posts. He's, yeah. He would sit Dwayne guards down on the post. Well, what Dwayne, but I've watched Dwayne Wade myself several times bail out LeBron James. I saw him. At, you know, you know what I think that I lean towards Dwayne Wade. I'm going to tell you why. Maybe it's the same reason. Is because Dwayne Wade had Shaquille O'Neal and he knew exactly how to play with Shaquille O'Neal to allow himself to become the greatest that he could be off of Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Now, I think that Dwayne Wade's AI is higher than Paul Pierce. Not that, uh, not that Paul Pierce's AI was low, but I just think Paul that— Paul Pierce was—I mean, him and Kobe really went at it. I need to go watch that series again. And then also what Dwayne Wade does for me, which I really appreciate, especially thinking about the NBA now, is that he never really relied definitely on the On the jumper. Ball. No. On the three he ball. He shot he the jumper. He no, didn't, no, he didn't. He, but I'm saying he didn't rely. Yeah. I know. I know exactly. He, I'm he didn't live the at the three-point three line. He's like, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I'm to the rack. I'm to the rack. Or I'm get to the elbow. And the other thing— Hit you wet you But Paul Pierce is wet at the elbow. You know what Dwayne Wade— Two ways that he totally has him. He's a better defender, and Dwayne Wade plays above the rim. Yes. Like, way above the rim. Yeah. He had those kind of hops. That's like that new generation hop. You're like, ooh. I think that he had a little bit more killer instinct, too, than Paul Pierce. You think? Yeah. Ooh. You know. Or you can... Paul Pierce played with Antoine Walker for a while, so that was yeah, that was hard on him. <laughs> Twan. I think Twan might have snatched some prime years from him. <laughs> Back to that surfing turf, that prime rib. That surfing turf. It's over. We're going to wrap up the podcast soon, folks. Like, we got to go get some surfing turf. Jeez Louise, what's going on here? Um, so now let's talk about baseball. 
Let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about a freaking Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Let's talk about what's going on in the world of baseball, T. What do you got? What do you like? Talk about that sleeper cell that you just laid on me that's coming back that people seem like they're not picking up in their fantasy league. Matt Olson. Yes. Yeah, big time Matt Olson. Matt Olson is probably primed to hit about 30 bombs. He's going to probably hit you 30 bombs, probably bat about 260, and it's enough to get you over the hump. It's a lot of guys like him who are just laying around. Look at Lance McCullers that eventually is going to come back if you're in the keeper league for next year. You know what I'm saying? So there's a bunch of injured, well, not a bunch, but there's a handful of injured guys out there that are slowly but surely coming back. You got Otani, you, um, you got Matt Olson, and Otani. And these guys are that, that can take you over the hump. You know, it's hard to get good first basemen nowadays. It's like that era of certain first basemen are dying out, like Hosmer. Uh, he was great, but now he's just good. And, yeah. and then you have the new guys come in, like Pete Alonso, who, yeah. who's not quite there yet. But yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But he yeah. He's effective. Uh-huh. Then you got Hunter Dozier right now that's in Kansas City that's putting up crazy numbers. I think he leads the American League in batting average. But, you know, there's a lot of— It's nice to see these young guys that are projected to perform come up and perform. Yeah, and it's hard. The because look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I have to speak on it. Yeah, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is batting, I think, a buck sixty-eight. He was down in the minor leagues almost hitting 400. I think he was hitting 403. Yeah, and he he comes to the show— And, and gets carved. And, he get, and he's getting carved. And it's just, <laughs> he gets carved. Shows you how— the difference the levels are and how elite I think that this Major League Baseball is has the biggest jump out of any sport I would say this is the elite of the elite exactly and I think this is where it comes down to where speed pays off in a different kind of way because if he came up and he was a fast guy he can maybe compensate with when he's not actually hitting the ball over the fence he can get a couple of infield hits, hits to you know to get him over the hump so he can get acclimated, get comfortable. And it's hard when you're talking about a city that's completely, an organization completely depending on him to carry them over the hump. Right. And he's just a kid. How old is he? 20 years old? Young guy. Yeah. Young I, guy. He's going to pan out. That's, that's without question. But just right now, he's just struggling a little bit. And speaking of that first baseman uh, role, you know who's locked in again after having a very suspect sophomore season? Who? Josh Bell. Oh, yeah. Josh Bell, he just hit a ball out of – 472 feet. <laughs> yeah. 472 yeah. feet. He's hitting the ball. He's getting the ball out of there. Yeah. And Hunter Switch Renfro two, right? just hit another bomb right now, by oh, the did way. did he? Another clutch bomb. But was he in your lineup? Go ahead, long ball. No, he's on the bench. <laughs> I can't trust Hunter. <laughs> and, and nor can the coach. So the <laughs> That's coach, why he keeps getting pinch hit bombs. Exactly, because I don't know when to put Hunter in. Hunter is not consistent. He, you know that if you put him in there actually to play every day, he'll probably strike out almost 300 times. Yeah. And he'll yeah. get you 30 bombs, but he's going to strike out 300 times. So you have to, you know. Life is give and take. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's not let the game pass us by without shouting out something super special that you don't see all that often, which is the 300th no-hitter in the history of Major League Baseball thrown last night by Mr. Mike Fires. Fires? Fires. Fires. Yeah, how about that? Fires, Tuck. Yeah, no, he's – you know, when he was young, he was nice. He reminds me a lot, which he came from the same team as Freddie Peralta, in a sense, where they throw a bunch of high fastballs and everything. No, I, how can you be mad at high G's? Yeah, and the thing of it is, is that since everybody's trying to go yard, the high fastball is actually the kryptonite to the to going yard because you're trying to get a launch angle, and this guy is throwing the ball above that the the launch angle, right? And which equals strikeouts. And then if he throws anything off speed, you're going to beat it into the ground and kill some worms. Now. All that being said, are the Milwaukee Brewers for real? They're real. <laughs> they're real. I mean, they're, they're real. real just because I agree. Of, but with their bullpen, the bullpen is nice. They just need to go and they're, they're a team that needs Dallas Keuchel. 
Why wouldn't they sign Gallus Keiko? They went and signed Gio, right? Mm. They re-signed Gio. Yes. Gonzalez. But Why I, not get Keiko? Keiko is better than Gio. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. No disrespect to Gio. Yeah, no disrespect to anybody, but Keiko at this at this point in his career is better than Gio. Now, if you bring in a Dallas Keiko type player, especially since your 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 front your rotation's hurting, Chase I think Chase Anderson just went on IO, right? Yep. And you're talking about they're trying to depend on that kid, Corbin Burns. He's not ready yet. Uh, Jimmy Nelson, you don't know when he's coming back. So get a get us Dallas Keuchel. Go fool with you with Dallas Keuchel. I would actually fool with Craig Kimbrell, too. I'm over the top up. It's over the top. It's over the top. I have Hader, Jeffries, and Kimbrell. And then you, you can't the, score after six. Yes, after five maybe. Yeah, and you take the pressure off of uh, Jeffries, who has a problem with shutting yeah, down. He's you know? not a, yeah, exactly. Wow, you got you have Yelich just completely dominating. Uh, Ryan Braun is waking up. You got the other kid over there, the first baseman, is waking up. Waking up. What's the kid's name? Hey, uh, uh, Aguilar. Jesus. Big Jesus. Aguilar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I like even though they're not by any means in, in, in contention. I like the way that the Miami Marlins are playing lately. I like what Don's doing down there. They they they're making games competitive, even though and they sneak out a win here and there that you don't expect them to sneak out. Well, they have a kid down there in the minor leagues that they're talking about bringing up, a pitcher, and if they bring him up, he's going to be like a uh, somebody maybe can kickstart their organization. I think his ERA is not even one in AAA. It's something crazy. Zach Galen. Mm. And if they bring him up, then, you know, sometimes a, a team like that just needs somebody to give them confidence that they can win. Right. You know, so when you go out there, you know, when you play, if you're playing and you know you have a specific pitcher on the bump, you automatically feel like you should win. And I think this kid might bring that to them because they swing the stick a little bit. I think the defense is a little sloppy. And now, speaking of that young way of people getting confidence, you see it with the Padres, but they're talking about now curbing Paddock's uh, time. You think they're going to do that with Lucchese? What, what do you think? That's the that, This is one of the reasons why I didn't put Paddock in the game in my, on my fantasy team this week is because they were talking about you know, adjusting his innings. Right. He's not supposed to throw. I do believe he's supposed to throw between 150 and 180 innings. And I think that he's at 60 or 80 already, something like that. And so in that, they're going to play with his innings because he just came off of Tommy John surgery about a year ago, and they don't want to overload him. Hmm. But he's actually a stud. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. I mean, this is his first season. He's completely dominant. I think he's already, what is it, 135 or something like that? Yeah, he's dominant. All right. Well, one quick tip, news and notes. They got the uh, the, the tennis tournament going down in Madrid right now. And a little bit ago, Rafael Nadal lost on clay. Really? Twice. And it could be a changing of the guard. We've got to keep an eye on it. I'm hoping to get out to Roland Garros myself. It depends on my shooting schedule. But we will find out. In the interim, folks, I'm going to leave you with a quote from the governor, actually, from Arnold Schwarzenegger, which says, strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strengths. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. Fresh from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Koreatown to your town. We're on this thing together, folks. Please take care of one another. There's a lot of violence and dissension in the world, and we need to be all we can be with one another. I'm your host, Omar Miller, and this is The Ozone. Ozone. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life. Yeah.